Hello, and welcome to Talking About Regeneration, the podcast that's all about stem cell and regenerative medicine and some other stuff too. I'm Kevin McCormack, Communications Director at CERM. We're California's stem cell agency, and we have $5.5 billion to change the world. And this podcast will introduce you to some of the people who are going to help us do just that. Enjoy the show. Our guests today are two scientists who are in the forefront of trying to find new and better ways to help people with type 1 diabetes. Dr. Monsi Jamin is the Vice President for Clinical Development at Viasite. That's a company CERM has been supporting for many years. Before joining Viasite, Dr. Jamin was the Senior Medical Director at Covance Clinical Development Services. She was also an attending physician at Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital where she was responsible for clinical care for type 1 and type 2 pediatric diabetes patients. We're also joined by Dr. Crystal Nitre, a co-founder of Ensilin, a company that sprang out of some CERM-funded research at the University of California, San Francisco. Both doctors are involved in developing a new way of treating type 1 diabetes that doesn't involve constant blood sugar monitoring and insulin injections. And at this point, I have to declare a bias. I find this work fascinating, and whenever I talk about it in public, people are amazed and always want to know some more. So, doctors, welcome to Talking About Regeneration. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to chat with me. Yeah, thank you so much for for having us. It's great. Um, So, Dr. Nitre, if I could start with you, how big of a problem is type 1 diabetes and how does it affect people's lives? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's no surprise to a number of people on this, on this uh, call that type 1 diabetes affects you know, millions of people, over one and a half million people in the U.S. And it is a quite burdensome disease. If you think about all of your daily activities being questioned as to, you know, are you hungry? Do you need to give yourself more blood sugar? Um, it affects people very, very physically and also very mentally taxing. And because of that, you know, we got really excited about thinking about ways that we can help these patients that have such a taxing uh, healthcare regimen that they need to that they need to adhere to. Great. Um, so, so what what is the approach you're taking? I mean, first of all, what what are the current methods for treating uh, type one diabetes, and what what are the, the methods you're you're using? Yeah. So the the standard approach for treating type one diabetes is insulin injection. So you deliver insulin, either through an injection or through a pump, based on the amount of glucose or sugar that you that you need to respond to. So if you are not eating, you'll deliver less insulin. If you're eating a giant meal, um, which I like to have giant meals, you'll have to have more insulin. And what's kind of crazy about this is also, if you have a giant meal, and then you're more stressed, or you're less stressed, or you have a good day or a bad day, that number is not always the same. So it's, it's constantly changing. It's not necessarily sort of this uh, very very uh, mathematical equation. And that's what makes these types of endocrine diseases so challenging is that they are very dynamic and responsive. So at Enslin, we're really excited about using the power of cells or as living medicines to be able to deliver therapeutics when you need them based on your own body's needs. And diabetes is, a, is an excellent example of that because it is a disease that has a clear mechanism of action. We know what's wrong in diabetes. We know that you need to administer insulin. The real challenge of this disease space is that you need to be able to deliver it at a specific time at a sp- specific dose. And cells have these innate capabilities to be able to do all of that 
computation and calculation for you. Um, so we're really excited about leveraging the power of cells as living medicines to be able to deliver therapeutics when needed. And diabetes is an excellent case study for that. Great. Thank you. Uh, Monsi, and now I'm going to be switching to first names because I think it's just easier. Um, you were a practicing physician before you, you came yeah. to this area. You, I mean, you were at one of the most prestigious medical institutions in the U.S., probably in the world. Um, so what made you decide to switch to research? So actually, I continued to see patients um, until end of last year, and, uh, and, and I wanted to continue to see patients because they really informed the reason I went into research. Um, type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes runs rampant in my family, and I wanted, I wanted to go into endocrinology for that reason itself. And then when I actually started seeing patients specifically with type 1 diabetes, started to see the initial shock, the burden, and then the relief that they had from just getting new um, it was the reason that I went into research. And, but one thing that was really important was that um, I continued to see them and be able to learn from them and continue to learn from their hurdles, which informed every step of the way of my research career, from working on the artificial pancreas trials at Mass General and, and then moving on to biotech to really be part of a functional cure, which is what we're trying to work on at Biocyte. So, so talk a bit about that, that functional cure. What does that involve? So, you know, at Viasite, what we've been working on, and we've been working on this in clinic for several years now. We're the first in clinic with human data showing that cells in graft and produce insulin and glucagon. So the functional cure really is enabling uh, patients to have cells that do what the pancreas does. So the pancreas is made up of islet cells. Islet cells, under that umbrella, is alpha cells and beta cells. Now, to simplify that, beta cells make insulin that brings your blood sugar down. Alpha cells make glucagon that brings your blood sugar up. And you really need to have both to have what the pancreas actually does for those without type 1 diabetes. A functional cure supplies these cells that enable this therapy to function as a pancreas. How does this device know when to secrete insulin or perform any of the other functions that the pancreas would normally do? Sure. So... Typically, um, there's a glucose response. You have glucose in the blood, and that engages the cells, their signaling pathway to either release one or the other hormone. Um, our cells, once implanted, actually do that. They have a signaling pathway through a response through the blood. It shows that there's blood glucose is going a certain way, trajectory up or down, and accordingly, either insulin or glucagon are released. In fact, we actually just uh, released some data at the American Diabetes Association in, in June showing that our cells, in fact, work. And not only do they work, they bring glucose levels to uh, the requirement that the ADA requires to have uh, great control in patients. And it was seminal data for us, never been seen in the field, and we're really proud of that. And it's driving our company even further to make sure that we, we provide a cure for these patients. That's pretty exciting. Crystal, if I could come back to you now. I read an interview where you said your job is to try and find ways to make cells happy. How do you go about making cells happy? Yeah, it's, it is true. I think one of the things that we're really focused on and where I think the, one of the big uh, areas of differentiation for insulin is that we're really focusing on empowering cells to do what they do best. And with that, our, our, preclinical research has been really focused around helping cells to be able to survive in the body. We want to be able to both protect these cells so they can provide these very sophisticated, timely 
um, and dose appropriate responses. And at the same time, also protecting the patient so that we can have these cells be safely put in the body. And um, at insulin, I think that those are really the, the big exciting part is having this, this nice encapsulation approach that allows you to take cells from a wide variety of sources, let them do their thing, help them be happy. And it's true. I do think a lot about helping cells be happy in the body because, you know, they have to survive to be able to be functional. They have to be happy. They have to have all of those right environmental cues to be thriving and successfully therapeutic. And, and that's really, you know, going back to being happy, that's really what we're focusing on insulin is helping these cells survive to be able to provide a valuable therapeutic output. Well, that makes sense. I think we all do a much better job when we're happy with our work. I know I do. And, but the body typically doesn't like having things, objects, anything really shoved inside it and often mounts an attack against that object. So how do you protect your device from the body and the body from your device if things go wrong? And thank you so much for asking that question, because I think this is an area that we're very excited about at Enslin, is to be able to not only protect these cells in an, in an immunological sense, as in you can take a foreign tissue and put it in the body and help these cells maintain viability. You know, For example, Kevin, if I were to take your cells and put them in myself, my body would reject them because they're Rightly not crystals. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But if I were to take my own cells, put them back, and then they'd be fine. So we've shown in a number of animal models that we can successfully do this. Take Obviously, not I can't take Kevin cells, but we can take mouse Kevin cells, put them and so forth, and do those types of transplants and, and show that they're protected. And beyond the ability to protect these cells and insulin's technology, we've also shown that we can take these, you know, foreign encapsulation of products, put them in animals and show that they're also not seen as foreign bodies and they're not reacted with a foreign body response. We're getting a really beautiful level of engraftment that shows that these cells can be happy. Again, thinking about helping helping cells be happy is really core to what Enslin's product is focused on is keeping those cells protected, successful and well engrafted in the body. Monsi, looking at the device that Viasite has developed, it's quite small about half the size of a business card. So what's the advantage of having an implantable element like that? Well, you know, there's several benefits here. So it's an implantable device. It's the cells are encapsulated. They are not released outside of that device. Um, I think some of the points that you and Crystal hit on is how do you make the cells happy and, and how do you make them last and how do you make them viable and effective? And so the benefit of an encapsulated product, and specifically, and, and I'll go back to kind of the data that we, rep, we presented in July, um, it was from a product that actually has direct vascularization into the device, which means that blood vessels go in, they supply nutrients, they allow the cells to, to survive, they allow the cleaning cells of the body to go in and clean out the cells and continue to do the, the, the mechanisms that are required for cell viability overall. So I think part of encapsulation needs to include a way for cells to survive long-term. And I think that's one of the bigger pieces and it has to be sustained. The nutrients have to be able to get in and insulin glucagon have to be able to get out. So those are the things that we've worked on over the years to really um, finesse and improve and optimize. How long theoretically could one of these devices work and last? I mean, would you have to take them out on say a yearly basis and replenish the cells? So, you know, what our proof of concept of the work that we've done has been uh, really informed by islet cell transplants. And, you know, they, again, those are injected cells. And 
often they lasted average approximately five years. Now with encapsulated products, it's certainly, we hope that we can reach that. Right now, our longest study has been out to two years and we've been able to maintain those devices in, in patients for that long. And as we grow and improve and develop our studies, we hope to find that answer. Um, I think what's viable is three to five years for these types of encapsulated methods. Crystal, I know that Viacite is already in clinical trials. Uh, when do you anticipate that Ensilin will be able to test its device in people? One of the things that we, to move into the clinic, we're really focused on two things. One, um, keeping the product safe for the patient. And the second one is these patients are really waiting for us. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the great things that was mentioned earlier is that this is a high unmet clinical need. Um, and they're waiting for a therapy. I think these patients are high risk. Um, so one of the things that we're thinking about to move quickly into the, into the clinic is getting there with, uh, getting there quickly and safely. Um, we're looking to be in the clinic as, as quickly as we can to get there, but we have not yet released a, a date into the, out into the world. But we are, we're working on it quickly and we're really excited about our progress. One of the problems when you talk about projects like this is that it inevitably leads people to ask, when will this be ready? When can I get one? Monsi, what do you tell people when they ask you that question? You know, at this point, what we're focused on is ensuring that we have more data. We're on track to provide additional patient data, especially from our PEC Direct Phase 2 product candidate in the first half of next year. We're also really working with um, our world-class leader, CRISPR Therapeutics for Immune Evasion, which is a really exciting next step, I think, in in uh, stem cell research is making the, the cells hide from the immune response in the body. And uh, we're hoping to, we're starting that clinical trial at the end of this year um, and hoping to have more data. And then that's really going to inform when we're going to be ready for, for patients. Um, so I think we're, we're close. We're closer than we've ever been. This is really amazing stuff. And I want to thank you both for being here today, uh, Dr. Monsi Jamin and Dr. Crystal Nitrate. Thanks for coming in and chatting to me. And good luck with your research. I look forward to sharing stories of your success in future podcasts. Thank well, you so thank much, you so for, much ha for having us. And thank you at home, in the car, the shower, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Kevin McCormack, and I'll see you next time on Talking About Regeneration. <laughs>